business online is no small feat, but with JNAP by your side, they'll make the transition as effortless as possible. Let Jane lend you a hand with your mental health practice so that you can spend more time doing what you love, helping others. Learn more at jane.app forward slash mental health. Welcome back. I have to say that the response to season one of Whatever Works was really surprising and overwhelming, and so I'm absolutely thrilled to be bringing you season two. This season is going to bring you new stories from people who've experienced different modalities and the story of how it worked for them. I wanted to start off with my own story of my experience with group art therapy, and so I invited my friend Zach Schrader to come and interview me about the experience. I'm Talia Singer, and this is Whatever Works. In this season, we're sponsored by the Jane app. Here, you and I know a lot about each other. Yes, we do. No no introductions needed. (laughs) But I don't know if uh, you know this story, my experience finding art therapy and the really transformative events that happened through art therapy. Well, I know that you're very passionate about it, and I've heard you talk about it many times, but I don't think I've heard this story before. It all actually began, I think, roughly around 2010. I was like in this really terrible professional and personal slump, Mm -hmm. and I experienced like this crisis when my daughter Noah was born. Mm -hmm. I just kind of like lost it I can't even I couldn't even describe it at the time um and I like I reached a point where the slump was that I couldn't do it anymore and so the the thing that I tend to turn to when I'm feeling like I'm in a slump is I either change my hair change my job or change my career which I have witnessed all three of Yeah. And I was like, well, I had already changed my hair and I couldn't change my job at the time because I had these two kids and the whole family was like, you know, enjoying the benefits, you know, healthcare benefits and whatever. Mm. And so I was like, well, I guess it's time I returned to school. Mm -hmm. So at this time you were a nurse, right? This time I was like a community nurse. I visited people in their homes. I visited schools. Mm -hmm. I ran all kinds of programs. Um, uh, But I was really kind of in a bad place. I was feeling trapped. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? And so I enrolled myself in an art therapy program in Toronto in order to try and kind of change my outlook and see if I needed to try something new professionally. Mm. Once a week, for 16 months, you attend a couple hours of group therapy. Interesting. And the group is run by this really lovely therapist. And she's like endlessly creative and inventive. Every week she comes up with a new activity for us to do. Mm. And so one week we're like doing puppets, creating puppets of our um, inner critic. And then another week we're sculpting figures from the past. Mm-hmm. Another week, we're creating collages of our, you know, uh, unconscious selves. Another week, we're creating a family portrait using only birds of prey. Like, she came up with the craziest, most delightful, most creative ideas. So were you, were you conscious during this time that you were undergoing art therapy? I was treating it like a rainy day at camp. I was like, well, arts and crafts. 
Okay, so like kind of like a, it's like a innocent activity kind of. I was treating it as art as therapy. So like the process of creating art is like therapeutic, just like taking a bubble bath. I think a lot of people think of it that way, actually. You know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with using art as therapy. I think that whole, the whole like popular um, culture around adult coloring books, there's nothing wrong with the kind of meditative, creative process. There's lots of benefits to art as therapy, but I really noticed that the other members of the group were not experiencing art as therapy. They were experiencing art therapy. They had very deep insights into their creations. And the therapist was so skillful at her really attentive listening, and she could pull things out of the artwork that simply blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And here I am watching the other members of my group, there was like maybe 10 of us, and they were having these like really deep personal epiphanies, and I was so jealous. I really felt like there's something wrong with me. I cannot connect with this, my creations the way other people can. Yeah, one. Well, yeah, you I mean you? You said you were already an uppity pessimist and resistant <laughs> to it. <laughs> so that's not surprising. That's right. So sitting in my group as an uppity pessimist, yeah. um, completely resistant to any type of therapy, but like feeling like I had already come too far and I had to like continue with this. It wasn't that it was painful. It was like delightful. Like mm-hmm. you know, use some clay, lovely. You know, make a collage, yeah. lovely. You know. <laughs> Just a lot of lovely. It was just a lot of like lovely, but mm-hmm. like I think I was appreciating my artwork the way like, you know, a parent like tacks up their kids drawing on the fridge and be like, isn't that special? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so as the, you know, 16 months slowly came to an end, I was like amassing a huge amount of artwork, like over 50 pieces. Mm-hmm. And part of the requirements of, you know, finishing this group was creating a curated show of your art pieces throughout the time in group and theming them, finding a theme with all of the pieces of art that would describe kind of like your journey Uh in in the group. Did you manage to pick out any themes? We had picked like numbers out of the hat who would go like first, who would go second. And I picked the last number. And I was panicking because I could not for the life of me find a theme so much so that I created this whole presentation to the group about how my artwork had no theme because I couldn't figure out a theme. Oh, I was kind of disappointed in, in that fact. Did you not find a theme because there literally wasn't one? Or were you just afraid to really say what was going on? Hi, I'm Sophia from The Jane Team. We understand that it can seem overwhelming to transition to a new software. However, with Jane, you're not alone. Jane's support team offers multiple touch points along the way to ensure you're up and running as smoothly and as quickly as possible. We're in this together. Jane is a Canadian-based PIPEDA-compliant practice management software, offering a range of different features, including customizable electronic therapy notes, secure telehealth sessions, simple online booking, family relationships, and more, all on our Canadian-based servers. If you have any questions whether Jane is the right fit for your practice, we'd love to chat with you. 
Watch a demo and connect with us by visiting jane.app forward slash mental health. Well, the funniest thing happened the night before my presentation. So it was the last group because I picked the last number and I was going to be the last one to go. And I was kind of like disappointed in the fact that I couldn't find a theme, but I went to bed and inexplicably at like two o'clock in the morning, I was like ripped from my sleep and I sat up in bed and it's kind of like a scene from a movie. Mm. Like this never happens where you like sit up in bed fully awake and it dawned on me the realization, the theme crashed on my consciousness like cold water. Yes. My artwork was screaming at me the experiences of the past few years. That all of that kind of like the slump was a result of the crisis and the crisis that I would not acknowledge to myself, let alone anybody else, was postpartum depression. Like I said, it was like so cinematic because I'm like, I'm opening up all these giant files with all these big paintings and all of these sketchbooks and I go through every single piece and every piece is my daughter Noah. Every piece is my depression, my shame, my my absolute, what's the word, torture Mm -hmm. of experiencing postpartum depression and never speaking of it to anyone. That's interesting to me, but I bet that was interesting for you too, because as a nurse, you probably know about postpartum depression real well. I knew it like very textbook wise. Yeah. And I also went to visit women uh, in their home as a nurse who were struggling with postpartum depression. But I, it's really incredible the way you can kind of like uh, resist turning that kind of very shameful, stigmatized lens on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because the way I experienced postpartum depression actually didn't involve any tears. I would not really allow myself to be sad. I was enraged. I think I was like enraged and I was numb, completely numb. Mm. My daughter was born in 2005 and the minute they placed her on my chest, I felt like I was doused with cold water. And despite appreciating her, much like I was like appreciating my artwork from a very distant point of view, I really didn't feel connected to her. Right. Do you think that art therapy maybe helped you, I don't know, express that or realize that at a deeper level? Absolutely. And I think of it too sometimes like, you know, you have this, you know, you may have a, you know, problem or an issue and it's like a set of keys and you have to keep trying the keys until one of them works. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the key works and you're like, whoa, this worked for me. Yeah. And maybe that's what happened, you know, at two in the morning when you felt, it's interesting. You, 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 you described that you, you know, when, when you had Noah, you felt like you were doused in cold water and you used the same analogy when you had the realization at two in the morning Yeah, about all of your art. I think that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I would have not been ready to admit this to myself until the very last session when time mm-hmm. was running out. Mm-hmm. I I had to have the pressure of like losing this group, knowing that it was the last session, mm-hmm. um, to, 
to fully admit to myself all of these thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And it, and I mean, you were you were last to go too. So, and I, I mean, I think I know you pretty well, and I can just imagine, <laughs> I can just imagine you, you know, saying in your head like, "Great, I'm last," and all, you're putting all this pressure on yourself, um, mm-hmm. to, you know, to come up with this theme, and then it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I'm typically the person who likes to like get it right, like do it right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like even as a therapy patient and and I couldn't help feeling like I'm doing it wrong. I am the exact same way. Exa- I, I actually get really self-conscious. I, I've tried it before. I get really self-conscious because I don't, I, I, I think I have to be good at it in order for it to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really common misconception with our therapy. Um, and what I usually tell people is that, Imagine like speaking through pictures, like Mm -hmm. imagine your own set of hieroglyphs. You don't have to, it doesn't have to make sense to everyone. Only specific people in the world can interpret hieroglyphs. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be able to understand it. And if you can explain it, interpret it for me, that would be a bonus. Yeah. And sometimes it takes, (laughs) it takes some, you know, simmering while you sleep for it to happen, I think too. Yeah. I think what's funny is kind of like the, the length of time and also the like the length that uh, I went to to have this realization to finally admit it to myself. Like I didn't just get up and take myself to therapy. I think people don't give uh, you know themselves enough credit for just being able to go to therapy in the first place. Like first I had to enroll myself in a $30,000 post-secondary <laughs> program <laughs> And then therapy had to be like mandated by the program. And even then I would, I was still resistant to the very last second. Mm. And that's, that's how challenging it is to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's a valuable realization as a therapist too, right? Is you understand your clients better when you have that type of experience. Mm -hmm. If you take yourself through the process of going through therapy and, and, you know, having to amass this collection of work that you did and finding themes, what do you think happened to you? What, what process do you think happened? Well, what's funny is, is that I think that the unconscious, you know, works in very mysterious ways, Mm. even to ourselves. There was something within me. I was like literally trying to tell myself something, Mm. something that I was really blind to, something that was a very deep truth. And if it wasn't such a deep truth, it it wouldn't have resonated so much. Mm. I, I, you know, waking up at 2 a.m. with that, with that understanding above my, of about myself, it could have only been that, I guess, impactful if it was true. And mm-hmm. it, it felt like it was something that I had always known, but something that I had denied for just so long. It just, it, it, there was actually kind of a feeling of relief along with it. I wouldn't. I honestly didn't let myself even think of the word PPD or whatever. I I literally remember having the thoughts of not. I was living in a condo at the time when my daughter was born, and my husband would get up and go to work, and then the thoughts would start. The minute he left for work, I I would tell myself, "Don't jump out the window today." Uh-huh. And and I also remember thinking, "Should you tell anyone, Talia? They'll take your baby away." Yes, of course. So a lot of fear and 
external fear, fear of what might happen if you actually do, you know, give voice to these feelings. So much fear. Yeah. Fear of being unwell also. Like, you know, when you're in the caregiver role, it's actually, I feel like it might be even more frightening to be unwell, almost because of like all of the knowns. I had worked in hospital and psychiatric units, and I'd worked in the community with mothers who had, you know, children's aid society involved in their lives. And and all of these scenarios, I just kind of like, I just envisioned in, in like a possible future. And so I just blocked it all out. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like said, nope, never happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I I can see I can see a you know a type of dynamic arts and crafts are a thing that we often associate with you know being a kid feeling safe expressing yourself in a certain way mm-hmm. that maybe you're not used to as an adult. I certainly don't do arts and crafts as, as an adult. I mean, I know there are some who do, but um, I can I can see how the, that's a link that can be made. Absolutely, and I think there was also I was made ready and and I can't stress this enough by the bravery of my the people in my group expressing themselves and having their own realizations and deep connections mm-hmm. that witnessing people being so brave made me brave mm-hmm. and that's a testament to you know the the power and the power of group therapy and seeing other people you know work through their their stuff. Mm-hmm. If you were to, you know, talk to someone who, you know, might be going through some, you know, something similar to what you were going through, what would you tell them about art therapy? That's a really good question. I would tell someone who had never tried art therapy, imagine there are so many ways to tell a story. You can do it through music, you can do it through paint, you can do it through clay, you can do it through words. Um, there's actually a great like subset of art therapy called bibliotherapy, where you only use like quotes or lyrics or, you know, um, uh, passages and poetry. Uh, art therapy is actually really varied. There's so many different ways to speak. I think that's really, I think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. One thing I always ask people on this show is whether they think it was the medium or the therapist in the situation that like helped them. And so what do you think? Do you think it's the medium or the therapist or both? Yeah, I think that uh, like a lot of people on this podcast, it had to be both. Mm-hmm. So it had to be the the kind of seemingly innocuous, really safe uh, therapeutic intervention of like creating artwork and not having the pressure of it meaning anything. Meaning like I could just create art because art is so lovely to look at and it's therapeutic making it. Um, and then the combination with this highly skilled therapist that never pushed me to see beyond the work, and never really challenged me beyond where I could go. She really accepted me as I was, Mm -hmm. as a member of the group. I didn't know if this would be the thing that would help me like move forward in my life, Mm -hmm. but it actually launched me into a whole other chapter of my life I never expected. I think that's the awesome thing uh, about therapy in many ways, is sometimes you don't get what you expect out of it, and it, like you said, opens new chapters. This has been the first episode of the second season of Whatever Works. 
Sponsored by the Jane App, I'm Talia Singer. This podcast is written and produced by me and edited by David Conroy and Jason Ball. The theme song for this podcast is called Universal Donor, off the album Hopeful Monster, written and performed by Jason Ball. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Music.